This podcast is brought to you by Lacrosse All-Stars, growing the game one podcast at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of the Know the Game podcast here on Lacrosse All-Stars. I am your host, Ryan Conwell, and this week we have Colton Watkinson of the New England Black Wolves. Now, Colton is someone that you may recognize if you're a college lacrosse fan. He had a great career down at Limestone College in Division II, where he was a three-time national champion midfielder of the year, two-time All-American, and in the one year he did not win the national championship, they were actually runners-up. So quite a career down there in South Carolina. And then right after he finished up at Limestone, he became a first-round draft pick. But one of the interesting things that comes up with this is that you'd think with a career like that, he kind of was always on the top of his game, but believe it or not, he was actually cut from his junior B team. So not even Junior A, Junior B, he was cut, um, but turns that into being a first-round NLL draft pick, which is definitely not a story you hear about too often. Now, this interview was done in the New England Black Wolves office, and one of the things I want to point out there is you might hear some background noise here and there, just general office noise type stuff, but if you pick any of that up, um, that's all that is. And I was really excited to get this interview at the office because Colton was in town doing a lot of PR work for the team in the Connecticut area. And so we were able to carve out some time to go down there, have this conversation with him in the middle of the season, which is not an opportunity that comes up too much. Most of the time, players um, in between games, before games, after games, they're just very focused on what's going on right then, or you know, the last thing they want to do is sit down and do an interview. So I was pretty fortunate to be able to grab this time with him. Um, so I hope you enjoy this interview with Colton Watkinson. Okay, so we are here this week with Colton Watkinson of the New England Black Wolves. Welcome, Colton. All right, so for anyone that doesn't know who you are, let's give them um, like a 60-second, what's your background, why are we here talking to you? Uh, pretty successful career at uh, Limestone College, played with a lot of good uh, good players there, great teammates, great coaches, um, and then I played summer in uh, Brooklyn for the Redmen, uh, and I am currently playing for the New England Black Wolves, and I just got picked up in the supplemental for the Florida launch. Now... Limestone's a little bit of an interesting one because I want to know, you're you're an Ontario guy. Yep. Where which town are you from in Ontario? Burlington. You're on Burlington. Okay. How do you go from Burlington all the way down to Limestone? Because I know a lot of guys like staying, you know, the New York, Ohio, or like you know Mercyhurst places like that. Yeah. How how did that pipeline get started down to South Carolina with Limestone? You know what? Uh, I don't really like playing lacrosse in the cold. Completely honest, uh, I don't have good blood circulation in my hands, so I just. How are, how are you Canadian? Come on. <laughs> I don't mind the cold. I just don't like playing it. I like dressing for the cold. You know, I can't play lacrosse and dress for the cold. Um, so limestone is just a good fit. I mean, it's not. Uh, it doesn't get too bad there uh, in terms of weather. So um, when I was there and just kind of met the guys, and it just seemed like the right fit. And I mean, 
looking back now, I, I made the right decision. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So you were there, um, was it two championships? Three. Yeah, you got three championships. Yeah, yeah you, you were there with a good class. You were right behind Messenger. Yeah, yep. Messenger, Reinhold, Vinny Ricci, Kyle Rabbi, and we had, yeah, we had a lot of good guys. Yeah, th- so. those were good teams. <laughs> um, so what has kind of shocked me, though, is right after you left, all of a sudden Limestone, like, what happened to him last year? <laughs> um, you know what? I, like, I hear that a lot. It's, that's the question that a lot of the alumni. I mean, we, we're asking each other the same thing, right? Um, but I think it's tough. It's tough to to keep that sort of final streak going. Those appearances, the records that we had. Um, I mean, if you look at them this year, they're looking pretty mean, pretty tough. Sometimes you just need to have a year where you kind of gather yourself and uh, look at look at yourself in the mirror. And I think we had one of those in 2016 when. We went to the championships and ultimately lost. We just we didn't have the right culture there. Um, so I think it took them that year of realizing, you know what, we're not the best, we're not the greatest there is. Um, and they're kind of back to that blue-collar, hard work and uh, attitude day in, day out. Um, I think that's just the culture that they need there, and that's what's going to keep propelling them. Yeah, and I've always been fascinated by D2 because I mentioned to you beforehand, I grew up in the Syracuse area, so Lemoyne is right there. A lot of guys from my high school go to Lemoyne. Um, <laughs> and and you look at um, how much D2 has grown. I mean, they're almost at the same size as D1 at this point. Um, and you look at last year, you had Merrimack, St. Leo. It, it, it's it's kind of incredible. Tampa's been kind of incredible coming out of nowhere to all of a sudden be being a pretty big force. But um, the thing that's always been interesting with D2 is you look back at the finals, and if it's not Limestone Lemoyne, it's one or the other is there. Yeah. You still have had that. It's like such a top-heavy type of thing. How much of that factored into you going down there too, knowing that like that the championship pedigree was – kind of the standard of, you know, we're supposed to make it. <laughs> yeah. um, honestly, I didn't think too much about that. I didn't think, I mean, going there, I didn't think I was going to be at four uh, finals weekends. I didn't think that we were going to win three of them. Um, I liked the culture. I liked the fact that it was a winning program. I, I don't like losing. I don't know a lot of athletes that do, but I tend to take it a little bit harder. When we win a game, it's kind of, that's everyday business. When we lose, I take that, like, right to heart. So, that was definitely a major, uh, major, major factor in my decision. Uh, but you know, it, it seems to be leveling out a lot. Like you mentioned, Merrimack, great program. They just went D one, right? Or they're going D one uh, next year, whatever yep. it is. So, I mean, there's teams that are that keep growing. Teams like Tampa, teams like uh, St. Leo was there last year. I think that uh, kids are kind of seeing that D one's not all that it's cracked up to be. You might go there and you might not never see the field, right? So kids that do have the talent and want to play right away, D2 is not a terrible option. You're still getting a scholarship. You're still getting your education. So I think that's kind of what's what's happening along with just the growth of the game. There's a lot more kids playing, so there's not spots on D1 teams for all the good kids, right? And some of the kids just aren't getting seen in some areas. So I think that's what has to do with uh, just the success of Limestone, obviously, and then just the growth that we're seeing with Merrimack and St. Leo last year in the championship. And how much field did you play before you were at Limestone? That always seems to be an interesting question because yeah. some, I mean, you're getting a lot more of it, especially in Ontario and BC. There's a lot more field going on, but 
um like how how what was the split like for maybe the three four years before you went down to limestone uh i mean i played high school field lacrosse i mean that's a collection of great guys i mean a lot of kind of our football players would come and try the sport for the first time um just athletes we'd have out there but other than that i really didn't play field lacrosse um up until i went to the hill for my pg year um and i would say quite honestly that's probably where i learned to play field because uh growing up i think i played most of us played until bantam maybe midget field um but back then there wasn't the same experience coming back from the u.s having that field game knowledge from playing college uh whereas now like guys like riley o'connor and uh and guys just like him are coming back and teaching the game at the hill or uh, back at their old high school programs which is awesome to see because i mean you grew up pretty box heavy but learning the field game is pretty important as well and when did you find out that you're going to be an offensive player outdoors? <laughs> is it well? I guess better first question is: Were you always def- defensive um, indoors? Uh, no, first year of junior, uh, I was on the power play playing out the O door. <laughs> um, it was it was definitely a, a learning year for me. I didn't uh, I didn't make the hometown junior B team. I actually got released uh, and played junior B in Hamilton that one year. But I, honestly, I think that was probably the best for me. It allowed me just to kind of get a lot of playing time, develop some of my stick skills, obviously, playing offense. And then when I came back to the buzz, back to the D-door. But you know what? I like it back there. It's uh, it's fun. Um, you get to hit people, which is which is always a good time. And you don't get hit. So I see some of our guys after games, <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know how they do it, quite honestly. But um, just in terms of me playing uh, offense in field, um, I think that it's – it was kind of the right fit for me. I don't see myself as a D guy in field. Um, and I mean, Coach Clark kind of put it to me in uh, pretty kind words, but um, my job was pretty much just to run from half field as fast as I can at my defender, create a slide, either pass the ball up if nothing came, shoot the ball. So, <laughs> I mean, that's. Uh, you can that, take those instructions. That plays right into my strengths running full speed downhill <laughs> yep and i guess when you phrase it like that too that's not too different than you know running a break too no no not at all so it was uh it didn't take a lot to get used to i mean i tried to the odd time i tried to get out of my comfort zone and do uh do a juke here or there or a split dodge but that just wasn't in the cards for me so well especially a split dodge i mean you're not supposed to have that offhand yeah, right I, I scored a couple on my right but they weren't they weren't pretty i'll tell you that <laughs> <laughs> all right so one of the things that um, I think Clark has to be, I mean, we, we all know he's an amazing coach, but especially working with players and getting them into those different spots, um, you look at someone like Mike Messenger, who you played with at Limestone, and I remember there was a press conference after you guys had just beaten LeMoyne, and um, he was saying that he saw at that point Messenger was the best Division Two player he had ever seen. And, I mean, he's an offensive player, and it was that game where he just ripped LeMoyne apart. I, I forgot how many points he had in that championship game, but, I mean, it, it was it was bad. I mean, he could not miss. Um, and I just find it hilarious because in the NLL draft, he goes to, uh, you know, goes up to the rush as a defender, and it's just like, wait, what? <laughs> Honestly, I think that's, that's definitely the right fit for Mess. Um, not to say he doesn't have the stick skills or anything, but he's such a physical guy. Like, I mean, it's tough beating him one-on-one, and then if you have to worry about him sliding across the floor, and if you're in the middle setting a pick and roll or a slip, I mean, you don't have to worry about that guy hitting you. I I saw the the clip the other night, I think they were playing, uh, was it The Rock? 
Yep. And he sent someone right over the boards. I mean, that was an everyday thing. He sent Triber over the boards. Yeah. I mean, that was an everyday thing on the field at Limestone, but he was doing that with the ball. You just run right at somebody, and you, you can't stand in front of him. You're either taking that hit, falling over, falling back a couple steps, and then he just got a cannon on him, so he's just going gonna to put it in the upper behind you every time. <laughs> Yeah, and it's the funny thing about championship weekend, too, is that every once in a while you get in those situations where it's just like one player, just they're in. And that that year especially, he just could not miss. I think it was his junior year was yeah. when that was going on. Because yeah, I, um, I think D3, Sam Bradman did something similar, you know, for Salisbury. He just, uh, it, it, he was doing the the pick and pop where he would just jump back up and then fire off from there. And it was just, again, he just dominated that entire, yeah. entire championship game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> and I mean, Matt's had so many opportunities too, because Kevin Reeson, I mean, just such a dominant force at the end too. So Matt's would score, Kevin went it back and then he would just go back to work and do the same thing over and over again. So, <laughs> fun to watch though. <laughs> All right, so moving on from Limestone, um, one of the things that I did want to bring up is you mentioned you play for Brooklyn with MSL, um, and I didn't realize that you had been cut from juniors even younger. So what's it like playing senior A? Um, because you know there, you get into the whole debate there of some people are convinced senior A teams are better than NLL teams. Um, when you look at how stacked someone like you know Peterborough, the Chiefs are a couple of those years, yeah. um, like I can kind of see an argument for some of those. But what is senior A ball like for you? Um, I would say when I first started, like when I made the jump straight from junior B to senior A, man, <laughs> <laughs> a little faster. Oh man, the ball was flying around. I, I had a hard time keeping track of my guy where the ball was. Um, but after after that first year, and then. I mean, coming back to your second year, the game slows down a little bit. Just like I think after my first year of NLL and coming into my second year here, the game slows down a little bit. You know, you can kind of anticipate what's going to happen, and that definitely helps. Um, I don't think they're the same game, though, when you're trying to compare senior A to NLL. Um, senior A is a lot more physical. I mean, the goalies are able to use bigger sticks. It's harder to score. It's more of your traditional kind of back to your back to the roots game of box across, um, which is fun to play in the summers. Definitely, don't get me wrong. But um, I like kind of the direction that the NLL is going. It's it's kind of becoming almost a hybrid between box and field. You're seeing a lot of these field players come out and have success um, because of that. So I think it's the way the game is going to be able to grow, and I'm pretty excited to see where it goes. And how difficult is it, um, I mean, just within the MSL, I mean, I'm not going to even talk about Man Cup at this point, but just within the MSL, what is that grind like? Uh, because um, I remember Casey Powell um, was talking about the difference between Canadian players and U.S. players uh, a few years ago, and that's one of the things he mentioned is, like, the multi-game series, the weekday, you know, multiple games at that level. So what is that like as a player going through that sort of schedule? Oh, it's grueling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even just this past summer, uh, playing Peterborough, you, I think I had, and a lot of guys had an hour, two-hour drive up to Peterborough after work. So you're getting right out of work. You're going up, playing a game, getting back late at night, trying to get some sleep. And everyone knows you can't go to sleep right when you get home because the adrenaline is so pumping, win or lose. So then... You don't get a good night's sleep. You're up for work the next morning, and then a couple of days later, you're doing the same thing over again. So 
it definitely takes a toll on your body. It's different than playing in the NLL where you do have that leap recovery time. Um, but I, I'd say it's, it's kind of like the same thing. It's what you grew up playing, right? It's, it's you had those weekday games growing up, and you, you probably felt a little bit better at the younger age. But um, I just say it's a grind. <laughs> well, and especially some of the the CLA rules are a little bit more physical too um, than what you're allowed to do in the NLL. I mean, in in some ways, because you also get into there's some weird stuff with the loose balls that, like in the NLL, you can you can get into guys a little bit more when the ball's on the floor, yeah, but. <laughs> I mean, I mentioned that playing offense in NLL is tough. I can't imagine what some of these guys, these offensive guys, feel like after games because the things that you're still allowed to get away with in terms of off-ball slashing, on-ball slashing. Yep. Um, I mean, some of the pick play even that the O, o uh, puts on the D. I mean, I'm getting Charlie horses left, right, and center. So um, it's definitely a lot more physical game, and I, I think that it, they're just keeping the game trying to keep the game in its purest form, kind of how it began. Um, and it's fun to play. It's definitely fun to play. You can kind of let loose a little bit. You don't have to worry about uh, an off-ball slash here when you kind of want to get under a guy's skin. So um, it's fun. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm kind of curious because one of the things he did say um, earlier was about how when you're playing defense, you don't get hit. Um, and I, I know what you meant by that, but at the same time, <laughs> As as a box defender, when I first started playing actual box, um, that was one of the like biggest awakenings. Was um, you know dealing with the picks, and when you don't know one is coming, yeah, that that's, that that's worse than being a forward. That's what I heard. The old guys, the old guys like to take. I mean, take a little frustration out. They're getting beaten up all game. So yeah, when you don't know one's coming and they set one. I wouldn't say like low, but just lower on your kidney pads and you kind of, you feel that jolt go into your back. That's definitely not fun. But I mean, compared to what, compared to what they're, they're getting out there, I mean, it's nothing. We can deal with that the outside. All right. Who sets the toughest picks for you then? In the league? Yeah. Um, hardest or just like the best in terms of getting off of you? I think either one. I'd have to say, and I'm just saying in general, at senior eight and, uh, NLL, uh, Curtis Dixon. Um, he's, I don't know how he does it, but he sets a pick and he, he pops right off you and you, you can't stay, stay on your feet. You're, you got to take a step back after he, uh, he sets those. Um, and then in terms of the hardest picks, uh, I can imagine Digby gives you a couple in practice. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not hard to miss though. So you kind of know that it's coming. Honestly, I think, I think O'Connor, Riley O'Connor, really? that's some pretty hard picks. And he's, uh, he, he likes to bang bodies in there. He might not necessarily be with a stick, but he's not afraid to, to set a hard one here and there and get to the middle. So I, I got to go with the, the hometown Brooklyn and, uh, and, and Black Wolves guy. Right <laughs> I'm surprised, too, because he's not someone that winds up in the box either, because I was totally expecting someone that, you know, is regularly getting called for some of those interference calls and things like that. But um, all right, I, I like he plays, it. He plays between the lines. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, that actually brings up another interesting point, which is how does playing with guys in the summer translate into 
NLL play. Um, and the reason why I ask that is um, when you look at some of the pro rosters, I know like Keenan loves taking guys that play together in summer, and obviously it works for him. And that even translates into a lot of the Team U- or Team Canada stuff um, because they take guys that play together in the summer, they play together in the winter, so you get a lot of those roughnecks, you had a lot of the rush, you have a lot of the rock, um, and there's like obviously <laughs> some ties in there. So what does that actually do for you when you're playing in the summer games too? Even though it's you know slightly different, different competition, how does that benefit you guys? Oh, it's huge. Um, I mean, offensively and defensively, we can look at it both ways. I mean, if we're going to talk defense, it's knowing what the guy's going to do before they do it. So you don't even need to be verbal as much as talking, communication is important. I mean, I play with uh, Lafayette in the summer, LaFontaine. Um, there's times out there where we don't talk and I know that he's going to jump over that pick because of how I'm positioned. So it definitely, it definitely does help. Um, it saves you a couple, a couple times here and there during the game because if the communication is not there, usually that's when there's a breakdown. But when you have the guys playing together that can kind of anticipate what each other are going to do, it definitely helps out. And then same with offense, just knowing each other's patterning and stuff like that. It opens up holes that aren't usually there because you don't get to practice as much, even in the summer. Um, or in the NLL as you would growing up. So you're not around those guys 24-7, so every extra uh, rep with them definitely counts. So not having practice does always intrigue me because when do you actually get to try different things so whether it is you know working working with a guy on how you want to approach picks together because when you're in a game you know that's not an ideal time to be experimenting with how a different approach might work for you yeah um so i mean i know speaking for us uh every few weeks like we have a schedule and we'll practice before games um the night before a game and then uh that's usually where a lot of the uh the dialogue comes in player to player, coaches to players, and that's when we can kind of figure some stuff out if uh, systems or um, just things haven't been connecting between a couple of the old guys or the defense in general. Um, and then pre-game, some adjustments get made as well um, in terms of you know, power plays, penalty kills, stuff like that. But um, if you're if you're one of the old guys, I know uh, Vicky and uh, Callum Crawford, they're constantly in each other's ears, <laughs> off the floor, on the floor. Um, they're they're talking constantly about what's going to work for them and how they're going to play together. And I think that it's really translating. You see Callum, he's having a terrific year. Same with Vicky. So I think it's just having a, uh, being comfortable with uh, your teammates and just being able to talk no matter the situation. Even if you're at a team dinner or just you two go for a cup of coffee in the morning and just being able to talk about that sort of stuff, I think it really does help. So... Let's actually talk about the Black Wolves a little bit because, um, you know, you've been able to, you know, really get yourself a foothold here. And one of the things with your rookie season that was kind of interesting is you were like the transition guy. Um, and, and it got to the point where before you, it was Sheldon Burns. I know you guys overlapped a little bit, but like once you started doing that, then they didn't need Sheldon Burns. He winds up getting traded, going up to the rock, and you sort of take over that role. This year, it's everybody. I mean, I, I barely see you like at the at the point of a break anymore. It's weird. I know, I know. I, I honestly was thinking that the other day, but I think that's the best way to do it because you can't just key on one guy. You can't say, oh, Rocky's on the floor. You got to watch him for the breakout. You have to watch our entire defense. I mean, even the guys you don't expect to be scoring goals or leading a break 
and I'm going to use him as an example, but Brett Manning, right? Yep. I mean, he's a, I, I like to think of him as just a sturdy stay-at-home defender. He's not, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and he's going to, he's going to hold the fourth back down, down there. But, I mean, last night, Brock hit him with one in transition, and he put it away. So, I think that's, uh, that's awesome to have on our defense, is that any given night, there's going to be hopefully a few goals put in from the back end, and it's not necessarily going to be the same guy. Because I know, I mean, Adam Bonner, same thing last year. I think Bonner was there a lot with me uh, leading those transition opportunities. But this year, I think that it's just so spread out that the opportunity is going to open up for different guys each night. Yeah, and that's one of the things I keep asking Coach Clark about in the postgame stuff is it's like it seems like a different guy every time, although Brock seems to be, like, really involved this year. Um and so we're recording this right after you had the doubleheader with Philly, and uh, he almost was a little bit of a forward for one of his goals on on one of those plays. <laughs> I, 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 I'm dipping in my uh, my history books here. I seem to remember you played attack at Albany. I think I think I'm not wrong there. Oh, uh, I don't. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll fact sure. check that one. I'm sure, you might have to look that up. But, <laughs> um, but I mean, he's got he's got terrific hands, and he's got patience, and that's something that I think uh, if I could take away from anyone in the league is just taking Brocky's patience when he has the ball because he waits the goalie out and he doesn't shoot it hard. He puts it where right where he needs to put it. Um, and he just he's having a, he's having an awesome year. He had uh, he had a little bit of an ankle thing last year and it kept him out for a little bit. I think he's uh, he's just getting back to where he was before that and he's awesome too. Yeah, and looking through his stats, I remember it, it jumped out at me because he does have like on years and off years for point production. I mean, I'm not talking about like any sort of defense stuff, but um, you know, every every couple of years he seems to hit the double digits, and this is just another one of those years because I was trying to figure out like is this out of characteristic of him because he wasn't doing it last year, but you go back and through that history and it's just like. Yeah, some there's some years where that's his thing. He's putting up a lot of transition goals. He's getting assists, getting goals. It's you know right up there, and this just seems to be one of those on years. Yeah, I mean, it's I think it's just one of those things where I mean you can't you can't just key on one of us, right? So he's he's taking advantage of that definitely. He's he's having a he's having an awesome year this year. Um, he's kind of leading the back end, I think. Uh, defensively and then in transition as well he's just one of uh, the veteran guys we got back there and he's, he's doing a terrific job and why don't you talk a little bit about the defense dynamics this year because there was a lot of changeover from last year so you know obviously you did bring back a lot of guys but um you know you pull in suitor um you only have one new rookie um you get really two new goalies i mean because dougie hadn't really played much yeah. But, um, and, you know, they've both had really good games. Um, and, of course, they've also both been pulled, but, you know, that's the NLL. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think those, the games that they've gotten pulled, I, I, I put that more on our defense, I think. We were letting them uh, kind of get what they wanted, and they were just, they were exposing them. And that's, that's on us. I mean, we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't be letting those easy, uh, easy looks on, on, the, on the goalies. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, Nishimura is, is amazing. He's... <laughs> He's fast. He's lighting, he's lighting he fast. is fast. I like to think that I'm fast, and it takes me a while to get up to that speed. He gets that speed right away. So he's going to be dangerous this year and in years to come. Uh, I mean, Suitsy back there, he's uh, he's an awesome veteran presence. He kind of uh, Uncle Suter. He pulls the plates together. He's always good for a laugh. He keeps it light, but when it's time to go to work, he puts his hard hat on, and he, 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 gets, he gets dirty in the trenches. Um, I mean, I could talk about I could talk about the defense <laughs> all day. All the guys back there are awesome. I mean, 
GD last night had a had an unreal game, uh, winning loose balls on the faceoffs. Um, yeah, he he stood out to me with that last game. Um, he just seemed at a different level. Um, I mean, he he did wind up with a goal too, and a nice yeah. little somersault yeah. afterwards. Yeah, and <laughs> but it, it, yeah, he he was a guy that um, you know he's much more like a a stay at home sort of guy. I mean, he carries it up, but um, even with his speed, it's not something he tries to do too much. But he was jumping out at me. But he was all over the floor. That, that took a lot of heart. He was, he was getting beat up out of there on on, uh, on the faceoffs, getting those loose balls. But that's exactly what we needed. I mean, Fournier did an excellent job. Uh, kind of called him. He was, he was more on Baptiste all night. Yep. <laughs> His, I mean, Baptiste is terrific at the X. But um, yeah, Fournier was doing a good job uh, pestering, and then GD was just coming up those loose balls. Same with our entire uh, faceoff team. So they did an awesome job last night. And how do you feel with the offense right now? Because, I mean, it's a lot of returning guys. But, um, you know, pulling Digby in is a totally different look. And I know they they tried to get him in the past, too. Um, but he's changed things up a lot. Obviously, you already mentioned Calum is, you know, pretty amazing this year. Um, so how's how's that working with, you know, locker room type stuff? How's how's everything meshing? when you're doing this, this is what I'm doing. So I think that's where you're seeing both of them having terrific years. Um, you had a guy like Downsy there, uh, one of our rookies. He's fantastic. I don't know how he comes up with some of the loose balls. I don't know how he does the moves he does. Because <laughs> I don't think I've ever done any of that in my entire life in practice, in a game, in minor. It doesn't matter. I haven't done any of that stuff. Um, you got a guy like Bucky coming back. He's getting healthy, which is amazing to see. Um, I mentioned Riley O'Connor. He, he just does all the little things. He's still he's still scoring goals, getting assists, but he does all the little things for us uh, on the floor, which is amazing. Um, and then uh, Davey Emla, uh, yep. one, one of the American boys. Um, getting get his first know. real box to, I mean, because he hadn't been NLL before, but. Yeah, he, he got his first goal. Yeah. Um, but he, he's awesome out there. He's, he's such a water bug. He's, he's all over the place. He's doing all the right things, and I think he's kind of like uh, kind of like our Riley on the right side, which is, I mean, you need a lot of those guys. You need guys to do that sort of stuff, so it's, it's good to see. All right, so one of the things I want to talk to you before I jump into the, the last five questions we like to end on is, um, especially since you mentioned Downsy, um, you were in our Lax All-Stars Invitational this past year. I was, yeah. And so I was running the house team and, you know, this is for anyone listening in and running the house team, you know, you're fighting an uphill battle no matter what, because nobody really knows each other at best, you know, two players that played together. And that's, I think that's the max we ever had was any two guys knew each other. Um, so we get, um, the way the seating works out, we get a D, um, so we get to play against one of the A or B teams. You were on, I think a B team, the Young Guns. Young Guns, yeah. With... I don't know how I got on that team, because there's a lot, I always felt like the old man on that team. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were. I, I mean, that's... I might have been the oldest, honestly. I think I might have been the oldest, but you know, I'm young at heart, so it worked out. So it was you and, you and Tyson, um, were there any other NLL guys on that team? Not at the time. Not at the time, right. 
Yeah, I mean, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if half that team winds up in the NLL at some point. I mean, yeah, <laughs> and I know a few of them are playing in the ALL right now too. But um, so you know, with that, what was your experience like? Because I know Downsy was a guy that we played against with the house team as well, and you guys routed us our first game. I mean, it was it was bad, and we didn't even like feel bad about getting beat that much because it was just like. Like, yeah, just keep scoring. Like, it's kind of cool. Like, <laughs> just go for it. We knew we weren't going to win it. So, like, just just keep playing good lacrosse. Go for it. <laughs> Honestly, I, I had an unreal time. I mean, the group of guys I was with were, uh, were really fun to hang around. Um, I've never never been to a tournament like that, never experienced something like that outside of minor, being in, obviously, like an invitational tournament. Um, but it was a lot of fun. It was, you guys ran it very well. Um, Nothing but nothing but good words to say, and it was it was awesome seeing uh, like Team USA out there, yep. really trying to get the box game going for a lot of their field players and develop that program. That was awesome to see. Um, I mean, the Boston team was terrific as always. They were even shorthanded and won the top the first place, which is just crazy to think about. Like every year, I still can't believe that they're able to put together the team that they do. Yeah, no, it was uh, there was a lot of good players there, so. It was it was a terrific time, lots of fun, and um, definitely looking forward to hopefully being back next year with the young guns and we're making a push for it. We're gonna try and uh, try and win the, the crown this year. Because where did you uh, where did you wind up? Uh, I want to say third. Okay. I I, no, no, you were lower than that. Oh, that's right. We were going to get the, the yeah, fly because one of the teams... Because uh, you had the two USA teams for top. Right. You had Thompson's and you had Gold Star. Yeah. So Israel, you know, being in that top four, that's then right. you guys were somewhere in that next yeah. level that Honestly, I can't remember. I can't remember, but I can't, uh, I can't pull it out of my brain right now. All right, so we'll just say eighth. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll but but I think that's that's what I love about that tournament too is like you guys have serious talent. There's nobody on your team that isn't a box first player, and you're still outside of the top four. Um, and another team that I kind of lump in with you. I don't know if you want to playing them was Graftex, um, mostly RIT grads. But that also meant that they had Brad Gillies, they had Matt Hossick, um, Kyle Killen, who's you know out in Colorado right now. Um, and they, they didn't get in the top four either. <laughs> like, like, both Team USA teams, they, they did terrific. And a lot of those guys, there's not a lot of guys on that team that are from a box background or even play box professionally or consistently. Um, so seeing those teams do as well as they did was, was awesome to see because obviously you want the game to continue to grow. Um, it's nice seeing Canada win gold medals all the time in box, but you want to see a little bit of competition because that's kind of what breeds the game to reach new levels professionally um, and at the minor level. So um, that was awesome. And then, like I, like I mentioned, it was kind of cool seeing it was the first time seeing Baptiste at the take some draws, and I was amazed at that because he's, he's a true professional at what he does. He's very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then just, just being able to uh, be around some of, some of the guys like the Thompsons and just some of the – premier players in our league and just kind of getting to know them on a personal level was uh, was awesome. All right, so do you think you can get a couple more of the senior A type of guys out there into that tournament next year? Definitely, definitely, definitely. I told you, the young guns are making a push. <laughs> All right, you, gotta, you get cap out at like 25, though, then you got to get the old guns out there. <laughs> 
All right. So last question with the last night, though, is do you still have the Swoveralls? I do. I do still have the Swoveralls. All right. So. All right. If anybody doesn't know what Swoveralls, I'll go go Google those ones. They were one of our sponsors for that one, and uh, yeah, they, you won one of the skills competitions to get one of those, I think, right? I did, yeah. Yep. Okay. I'll take get get the overalls for that. Exactly. All right, all right. So let's jump into the five questions. Um, so I didn't prep you beforehand, so you get to think about these ones. Okay. So first one is: What is something that is talked about too much in the lacrosse world? Type of thing that makes you just say, "All right, that's not that big of a deal." Come on. Either. So that might uh, lead you into the answer for this one, but what is something that doesn't get enough attention? All right, I like it. Well, so that that's one of the things that even I, I mean, I like to know I know something about lacrosse, but um, sometimes it is hard to identify who's actually playing good defense when it's not just an on-ball stop. I mean, um, there's a highlight, I think, of Hope um, from Colorado last year where he was just going side to side with, you know, defending somebody, and it was he just didn't let him go anywhere. And it's like, all right, it's phenomenal. And, like, things like that are really obvious of when when somebody just shuts down a forward and they can't do anything, it's like, all right, you can see that. But what what is it that people should be looking for for like some of the off ball stuff too of like how do you know when somebody's really like having a game yeah you know what i think i think every every guy just like offense has on defense you have a certain set of skills that you're very good at and then you have some stuff you need to work on but um if i'm going to go with a guy kind of to watch as just an all-around defender and someone that can cover on ball but i want to praise off ball work That's something that uh, that definitely goes unnoticed. It's tough to tough to see unless your coach really looking for that or a scout or a GM. But uh, that sort of off ball work it helps the rest of the defense because you might have a guy that might not be the best on ball defender, but if he can help off ball and slide correctly or even just communicate and seize the floor well, that that's uh, I mean that's something that you can't really. Uh, yeah, and that's always um, fascinating with watching Brody Merrill. 
um, because his loose ball numbers are always through the roof. And Joel White was another one that's a lot like him because the ball just appears where they are. And I could never figure out how that happened. And like you start trying to track them really closely. And like you said, being in the right spot, it's like, all right, shoot the shots coming from the lefty, you know, shooter spot. If that's going to go wide, then it's going to be over here. And you see him take like, you know, one or two steps over. And then all of a sudden it's just, he's there. I'm like, how? (laughs) That's that's definitely something that, that I am trying to work on because I mean, earlier just in terms of like transition and that's something that will definitely help I, I hope with my speed if I can get a loose ball uh, without anyone else even knowing that I have the loose ball it's going to give me a couple more seconds to get down the field um, but yeah guys like Jordan Nolan I mean he's, he's fantastic and just those those subtle things that you can do in terms of positioning knowing the right places to be when, when a guy's shooting I mean that's something that Again, you can't you can't put a price on those things, and they mean a lot to your defense. Because if you're not having to stay out there for a minute here, a minute thirty there, if you're not getting repos and you're getting thirty second shot clock and you owe back the ball, you're getting more opportunities to score. So, yep, <laughs> <laughs> that's the name of the game, right? All right. So next question is, um, I can only imagine with uh, back to back you had with the guys this weekend, but what's something from this past week that just made you laugh, lacrosse related or not? Honestly, everything that Callum Crawford does tends to make me kind of just giggle a little bit, if not just fully break out and laugh. Because if you haven't met him, he's one of a kind. He's always doing something. He's always, I, I like to think of him kind of as a showman, yep. even when the cameras aren't on. So that's just his personality. And uh, last last night was uh, was funny. He was, we were just hanging out, me, him, and uh, my, my girlfriend. Uh, but... It was, uh, it was just a ride. He was just a funny guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, this one's a little interesting. Is Let's say you win the lottery or something. You get $50 million that you have to spend in lacrosse somehow. Okay. Um, how would you spend it? Where, where do you think is uh, the best place for that to go? Uh, I think I'd probably spend I'd probably spend at least half of that um, in, well, a quarter of it, I guess, in Canada, probably trying to develop the skills game a little bit more. I'd spend the other quarter probably in the U.S. trying to develop the box game. And then the other half of that, I think I'd try and put that overseas. And I'd try and grow the game a little bit out there as well because, I mean, you see on uh, on the wings, they have, a, they have a kid from Finland. That's awesome to see. <laughs> oh, definitely. I wouldn't even thought of that. Even He's playing well, too. Yeah, he is. I mean, even a year ago, I wouldn't have seen that coming. So... If we can keep growing the game like that, I, I always like to think that we're kind of we're the NHL back before it was the NHL back when guys obviously had the part time jobs. And I think the big thing in developing that was just worldwide recognition of the sport. So if we can start that and continue to grow that, that's what's really gonna you know, make the professional game uh, pop off the shelf. Yeah, I like it. All right, last one is, this one might be a little tough, but what was the last lacrosse game you watched for fun? For fun, for fun. Honestly, I watched, uh, we were in Georgia um, for the first game of the season. I'm trying to remember back now who was playing. I want to say Philadelphia was playing. I can't remember who they played the first game. Of the Philly season. Buffalo. Philly Buffalo. Yeah, that's that's the, the last one. So no, no scouting there, just kind of no, sitting back, watch it happen? Watch. It was tough with all that CBA stuff going on, and when lacrosse was finally back, 
it was it was very exciting and you know I just wanted to immerse myself in it so it was uh, Dougie and I uh, Dougie Jamison our roommate so we turned that game on in the hotel room and we just sat there watching the game and just enjoyed it you know we didn't try and critique anything didn't try and analyze didn't try and scout it was just us sitting there watching the game so it was fun I, I I love that answer because you're the first person that I've asked that to that actually said a game from their own league. So if I ask a college person, you know, it's pro, a lot of people do USA Canada, a lot of it's the Final Four, but like you're the first one to actually be like, no, I can watch my own league for fun and not have it just be ripping things apart into X's and O's. There's so much skill out there. I've been saying it the, the, the entire time here, but there's so much skill in the league that it, it's it's a treat to watch. I mean, if I had to watch our team, I would you know, 100%. I'd keep my eye on a couple of guys, but it wouldn't be to scout. It would just be to watch kind of the magic that they create because, I mean, as a D guy, D transition guy, I don't have the hands that some of these guys do, so seeing what they do on the floor is, is pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> I like it. So uh, before we wrap up, where can people find you online? Uh, you know, where, what's your, what's your uh, handle? It's pretty easy. It's just at Colton Washington. Very basic. I like it. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for taking the time out of your week and, uh, you know, hope the rest of your season goes well and, uh, you know, keep playing that good, solid defense. (laughs) All right. Thanks. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that interview. But as promised, I have a little bit of fact checking for you. So first of all, um, his teammate with the Black Wolves, David Brock, we talked about his college career. He did play at Albany. He graduated there in 2010. Um, so some of the players that you might recognize there at that time was Joe Resateritz. He was not there at the same time as the Thompson brothers. So Ty and Miles were there the next season, which meant that Lyle was two years after Brock had left. Um, Brock did not start his season as a starter. He was officially listed as attack midfielder. But four games in, he finally got a starting spot on the attack line and do not believe he ever left. But a little interesting note is that first start was against Ohio State. And as an attackman, he was paired up with a defense that featured Brock Sorensen, who is, of course, with the Toronto Rock that the Black Holes just played this past weekend as well. So that's uh, some good uh, symmetry or, you know, little circle of life sort of thing right there. Anyway, uh, back with Colton. We also talked about his Young Guns team at Lasnai. Now, to tease him a little bit, I said he went down to eighth, um, you know, just because you have the first first place game, the third place game, and then you have the ones in the qualifiers underneath there that did not make it to the semis. Um, so he was one of the teams that lost a quarterfinal, but they wound up winning... Um, winning their follow-up game, and that got them into the sixth-place game. And in the sixth-place game, they lost to the Onondaga Redhawks by a goal, just 6-5. to five. And The Redhawks are always a tough out in that tournament. So um, losing 6-5, they got six. Redhawks got fifth. They were right there on the border. So when he talks about them making a push, um, you know, they're, they're not far off. 
Um, they actually did play the Thompson Brothers team earlier in the tournament. They lost to them 9-8, to so again, just another one-goal game. Um, they also beat the Custodes out of Radotine, uh, Czech Republic team. They lost, oh no, sorry, they beat them 6-4 to four earlier in the tournament, so two-goal win. Um, Colton had one goal in that. He had four goals in the whole tournament, which brings us to when he scored his other three. That was when he beat our house team. So I said it was a route. It was actually 18 and nothing. He had a hat trick in that game, but... Like I said, it was actually a really fun game. Um, If you've ever been in a lopsided game like that, sometimes the team's not so nice. Um, No, but this was a a good group of guys. They were fun to play. Um, We were just, like, thoroughly beaten by them, too. So it happens. Your house team, you're going up against a a team that can, you know, be within a goal of the Thompsons. It's not going to go that well. Anyway, the last thing I want to mention with Colton, though, is like he said he just enjoys watching the game this is a guy that truly loves lacrosse even after this interview was done we stayed in that conference room for a little bit um i was pulled out a piece of paper we are diagramming defenses talking about all sorts of stuff he's someone that this interview could have gone on for hours just talking lacrosse you know doesn't even have to be about him can just be about the league other players i mean you could hear him talking about his teammates this is a guy that just really loves what he's doing Now, the last note before I leave you is something new we're trying on Lacrosse All-Stars is go keep an eye on our site because if you are an insider, um, as you know, you can sign up, become a member, and what we're going to start trying to do, as long as it's well-received, if you guys tell us that you like it, um, I recorded a video of Colton doing part of this interview sitting there in the conference room. So we're going to try doing some of that behind the scenes type of stuff. So keep an eye out for that video. Um, you know, that should drop shortly, or if you're listening to this way off in the future, maybe it's already out there, but anyway, go keep an eye out for that. We have some other ones, uh, recorded for future podcasts as well that I already have recorded. We just haven't released, So, you know, that's some good, exciting stuff that's going to be coming up. So go keep an eye out for that, laxallstars.com. All of our social media sites are at laxallstars. You know, like, subscribe, do whatever you got to do there, as well as make sure you go to the podcast wherever you listen to it and give us a good rating, try to tell other people about it. You know, keep spreading the love, um, you know, get people listening to the show, get them listening to our other shows, hitting the site, all sorts of good stuff like that. So that's all I have for you this week. And stay tuned for the next episode of the Nova Game Podcast. We still have a few more of the LaxCon interviews lined up and a lot of others that I'm working on to uh, start getting into this 2019 year. Lots of exciting stuff coming up, so I'm sure there are some great conversations we're going to be having. So until then, I will catch you next time. (laughs) 